Hello and welcome to BJGP Interviews. My name is Ewan Lawson. In this episode, I speak to Dr. Marta Vanat, who is a senior qualitative researcher at the Nuffield Department of Primary Care Health Sciences at the University of Oxford. And the paper is Transformation of Primary Care During the COVID-19 Pandemic Experiences of Healthcare Professionals in Eight European Countries. So this was a qualitative study across Europe from that initial peak of the COVID-19 pandemic. I started by asking Marta to tell us a little bit more about the countries that were selected for the study and why. Yes, so um, this study um, kind of started in February uh, last year. So um, European Union has funded this big project called Recover, um, which was led by Professor Herman Gussens from the University of Antwerp. And this study was one of the uh, several projects funded by European Union in response to COVID-19 pandemic. And this primary care study, which this manuscript is describing, um, was kind of nested within this study as well. And this study was led by University of Oxford and University of Antwerp. But um, as you're saying about the country, so we kind of were able to rapidly set up the study because we were building on existing um, primary care research network, which was established uh, several years ago and uh, used in different studies as well. So for this particular um, study, we have um, kind of sent invitation to all of the kind of 20 countries which were in our existing network. And then uh, 10 of these countries replied and we tried to kind of select the countries based on, I think, number of cases, of course, the time of study setup, but also geographical location and different healthcare systems. So our final selection included um, England, Belgium, uh, the Netherlands, Ireland, Germany, Greece, Poland, and Sweden. So quite a nice selection in that respect. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this study, I think you say in the paper it was conducted, but in the end between April and July last year. So obviously that was just right at the peak of uh, COVID and the pandemic at that time. And you conducted some 80 interviews. So you um, you must have been very busy, Marta, uh, at that time. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I think that, again, that was, I think, possible because all of the teams have so rapidly set up this study and um, collected the data, you know, while the things were happening, which I think is so important that we are capturing the experiences as the pandemic is evolving and then retrospectively. So, yes, it was busy time for, I think, everyone involved in this study. Yeah. Tell us, so let's go on to what you found. I think that's what we really would like to know. Tell us a little bit about um, what you found and how you put it together. Yeah, so, I mean, we had kind of, I think, a few interesting findings. So um, the first I would say is that um, I think, you know, healthcare professionals had to make huge changes to how they deliver care in relation to both um, COVID-19 and non-COVID-19 patients. So I think when it comes to kind of respiratory symptoms, of course, majority of care was delivered, especially initially remotely, which meant that kind of healthcare professionals were managing them by history taking by doing extensive follow-up and safety netting. Um, but of course, you know, some of these patients had to be seen face to face and how that was arranged in different practices in different countries uh, differed, you know, uh, across the board as well. But I suppose what seems to be a similarity across all the countries as well is that this transformation of um, service was very much led by clinicians themselves. And the same thing applies to kind of non-COVID care that, um, again, they very much had to make decisions on a daily basis, you know, who has to be seen, what is urgent and what perhaps can wait. And 
very quickly on, they expressed this concern about potential collateral damage, you know, resulting from some of the services not being available to patients. So um, I think they very quickly knew what was happening on the ground as well. Um, I would also say that, of course, you know, doing remote consultations was completely new for most of the healthcare professionals, and they had to deal with lots of uncertainty related to that. And I think in relation to kind of managing patients with respiratory symptoms, you know, I think we have to remember that at this stage, we had so limited understanding, you know, of, of even the nature of the virus, what were the typical symptoms. So they had a very difficult task indeed at that stage in, in managing these patients. Yeah, it was interesting how there were some slight differences in how those um, how services were delivered. You mentioned mm. in that sub, that initial sub-theme about managing patients with respiratory tract infections that in some countries they were just all it was all managed in practice but some of the other countries moved towards covid hubs as well yeah so i think this is a good point so i think it really kind of shows how different countries arranged the primary care service in different ways so as you are saying i think in all countries initially all of the patients were managed over the phone and the patients who had to be seen face to face were managed in you know, certain areas of the practice or at a particular time or by particular teams to manage the safety of the patients and healthcare professionals. But as you say, with time in um, a couple of countries or actually Belgium, Netherlands and UK or England, there were these hubs established which um, enabled healthcare professionals to send these patients there. And I think that was quite interesting because it was a welcome change you know, to be able to send patients there but that also kind of posed challenges because, of course, you have to, you know, set up different protocols for different places and people have to then get used to all these protocols. So I think, again, it was a lot to take in. And then for the remaining countries, apart from Poland, most of these patients were uh, managed throughout the first wave in the practice as well. Um, so, yes, I think that interesting kind of, uh, I suppose, um, impact of the context as well on the healthcare professional experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of attention has been on the secondary care management, but obviously so much mm. has been happening in primary care as well. Um, I would come on to your third sub-theme, which is about resources. Um, the mm. thing that jump out, jumped out to me on this, of course, was the fact that, um, you know, we're so used to the NHS and everything being free at the point of access, that that wasn't the case in all, that's not the case in all the countries um, that you covered in this study, and that there were financial implications, sometimes directly to practices. Yeah, that's yes, that's exactly right. So I think, uh, especially in, in in Belgium, Netherlands, and actually Ireland, you know, there was payment involved in the consultation, as you say. So that actually caused a lot of concern, and especially in the initial stages of the pandemic. So I think clinicians were concerned whether these fees will be reimbursed, or you know, at what kind of uh, um, time in terms of kind of you know whether they would have to pay for them initially themselves, or and. I think also, especially in Ireland, I think they describe this sense of concern that, you know, what if patients kind of move to different GP practice, if they can be seen face to face there. So I think there was a particular context to how these financial concerns were expressed by um, professionals as well. Yeah. Tell us, Marta, tell us a little bit more about um, how you mentioned a little bit about remote care there. And that's obviously been a real topic of interest throughout this mm. uh, throughout the changes uh, about, about how your um, participants felt about that and particularly dealing with uncertainty yes I think I would say across 
all countries initially, it was very difficult for them to do remote consultations. And um, I think that there were some, I suppose, factors which can apply to both COVID and non-COVID care. And that was not being able to, you know, rely on visual cues. And I think because most of the care actually was telephone consultations, not video consultations. Um, but also not knowing the patients. So I think, you know, the care kind of moved from, at least in the practices which pre-pandemic still had a patient list, to kind of, you know, any patient which uh, might require any attention. So it was difficult for them not to know the patient and then give advice and know uh, what they need as well. And then I think when it comes to, you know, specific concerns about, for example, COVID-19, I think it was about you know, when and if this patient will deteriorate, how I'm going to manage that, how much safety netting do I need? And um, also kind of um, being provided with some guidelines, I think, in fact, maybe they were bombarded with the guidelines at that stage, but very little practical training, actually, about, you know, how do I go about doing remote consultation? What is important here as well? So I think they very quickly turned to their colleagues for, you know, kind of both moral support, but also actually information about um, how do I go about, you know, these kind of patients and would you have an advice, which they have found tremendously important and helpful. Yeah. Let me ask something which is not directly in your paper, but so it's maybe perhaps you maybe you won't feel well. It, which, did you get a sense of which country's primary care system, because this is always a thing, when it comes to Europe and the, the British and the English in particular, we always like to compare ourselves against Europe and to find out how we're doing in that regard. Did you get a sense of which countries out of the ones you looked at perhaps had had the, I mean, it was a difficult time for everybody, of course, but those that perhaps had the worst time or coped, the primary care systems coped better or any sense of just, or were, was there just too many different factors all in the mix? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's difficult to say kind of, you know, because I think there's one, how the system kind of, I suppose, maybe objectively operated at that stage. And of course, how individuals responded to that. So I think I would say that it was more on individual basis where some individuals did find the situation quite difficult and some perhaps code better because they had more support. So, for example, I know that, you know, certain uh, GPs in Germany were saying that they were doing, for example, a lot of home visits. And that was actually stressful because you, you know, had a whole, you know, risk and, um, you know, kind of also a lot of resources was put into that as well. And I think some of the, again, professionals from Greece and Germany, you know, they were kind of um, extending the hours and very much allowing patients to contact them when and if needed, which of course had a huge impact on, you know, um, I think to some extent the mental health as well. So, but I think that there were other kind of things which I could mention as well, you know, so I wouldn't say that these are kind of the countries which perhaps didn't cope as well. I think it was very much individual kind of almost experience. That's very diplomatic of you, Marta. I, I think I, as well, I think it probably reflects, reflects the reality that, and even across the UK and in different practices in, in relatively close regions, it's probably been quite a different experience for GPs at one end of the country to the other. Yeah, absolutely. Because as you know, I think that even the, the kind of setup of COVID hubs, you know, some of them were, you know, they were, they were set up by different even CCGs and of course, primary care networks, which means that you know, what resources were put into them very much different across the board. So I think that in turn kind of influence even, you know, whether GPs had computers provided or not. So I think there was a huge variation, I think, in how much individual practices have been supported throughout the pandemic as well. Tell us a little bit about the implications of your research. 
Yes, I think that um, there are a few implications, I think. So I think one is that um, I think that it showed that healthcare professionals, you know, try to make the decisions themselves in the initial phase of pandemic. And I think, you know, implementation of remote consultation was, of course, essential at that stage. But they did have to deal with uncertainty. And I think, you know, they did say that with time, remote consultations became easier, but they also called for, you know, the need for more ongoing training in, you know, how to actually deliver remote consultations. And I think that's important because it's not something which we can discover at the beginning of the pandemic as a one-off, but actually, you know, the patient's needs are changing. And I think it's important that the kind of training reflects that as well. But also related to that, um, and perhaps I haven't mentioned this before, is that, you know, when healthcare professionals were deciding about, you know, the remote consultations and who should be seen face-to-face or not, they, um, they, they did want to take into consideration patient needs and preferences. And actually, I think it kind of shows that, um, you know, perhaps they should have more say in kind of how they deliver these consultations. And the guidelines are important, but they should be kind of uh, allowed uh, to adopt the guidelines to the local context. You know, thinking about, you know, the number of cases in the local area, but also the patient's population and, and needs as well. And I think, you know, we also discussed at the beginning, but I think, you know, the mental health of healthcare professionals in primary care perhaps hasn't been discussed as much. And I think it is important that they have appropriate support, you know, why they've been working in quite uh, demanding conditions as well. It's a fascinating point about guidelines, because obviously guidelines are always there for guidance. And it's it's difficult to get them right in that regard. And perhaps a lot of the COVID ones have come out quickly. And some of that nuance around local um, uh, local adaptation has, has maybe been lost at times. But of course, it's always difficult with pandemic where it can get very top down, can't it? Um, there's an absolutely wonderful um, table two as well in your paper, which summarizes those the recommendations and for um, in relation to those sort of key issues. So I think that's really valuable too. Marta, it's an absolutely fascinating study, the first qualitative study, sort of pan-European, looking at the experiences of European primary care um, providers. Um, thank you very much for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this BJGP podcast. The original research papers and articles can be found at bjgp.org. The show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. Do share if you've enjoyed it. Subscribe via all the usual places, including Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your podcaster of choice. Thanks again. Thanks again.